Good morning. There we go. How are you all? You guys have your Bibles or devices that have the Bible app on it. Uh, You want to turn or swipe with me to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. Church in the wild. It is wild, right? And who better to guide us than the Lord Jesus Christ? One of my favorite greetings to people New Year's Day is, hey, I would like to cordially welcome you to the year 2022. Uh, We've all never been here before, but it is due to be a grand adventure, and I hope you will reference your guide that has been provided for you, known as the Holy Word of God. And if you should have any questions, comments, concerns, moans, groans, or complaints, may you voice them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will gladly answer any questions, concerns that you may have. Uh, But he is a guide and readily available to guide you on this grand adventure where we have never been before. And uh, with that note, Happy New Year. And so it's, uh, it's a fun thing, and you know, like today... Uh, here we are, March 27th, 2022. We've never been here before, and it is a gift. It is a gift from the Lord, and here we go. So if, uh, if you are with me, that is good. Um, I also am going to be providing some of the texts on the screen. Um, John chapter 15, we're going to read verses 1 through 5, and then we'll double back and just kind of walk through each of the verses. Jesus speaking to his disciples Uh, after um, Judas has now left and is doing his thing and truly his thing, sadly. Um, But Jesus speaks to his disciples and says, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me. Abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And uh, a lot of great stuff following that. Jesus speaking to them about the, the, the coming of the helper and all of the works that the Holy Spirit will do. And then he prays to the Father, a high priestly prayer, Jesus being that high priest, and we're In our study through Hebrews, we're seeing this foreshadowment and this kind of back and forth of foreshadowment and and understanding of what was that foreshadowment. So Paul is walking us through, and we're going to, I believe, next week get back on track with that um, that study. But here in John chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. And when you, when you think about he is the vine, he is the genuine vine, the genuine vine, and the father is the vine dresser. Now, what is a vine dresser? 
When you look at these, sorry, let me call your attention to the screen. When you look at these hands, this is a vine dresser. This is a person that puts their hands to the vines. They, they handle them. They know them. They trim them. And even with these small, fine trim scissors with the orange handles, they do all of these fine tunings and, and are aware of what is going on. The vine dresser literally is a person who prunes, trains, and cultivates vines. It is a person that works with their hands with the vineyard. And what's unique about this is they come to know each vine in a personal way. They know which one is kind of in a downward pitch to grow, and so they'll tie it back up to change its trajectory to an upward pitch and a growth. And as I was considering this, what is something that you guys spend a lot of time with? Anyone, any, anyone that you spend a lot of time with? And I'll, I'll give you an example. I spend the majority of my email is done in a parking lot with this cell phone. I'm at my desk maybe two hours a day. Um, some days I'm there all day long and I don't like those days. It's usually the day I'm working on a spreadsheet and I want both of my monitors and I want to be able to draw information from here to this. But most of the days I'm out in the field. I'm going from one site to the next site and I get this ping on my watch while I'm in a meeting and, oh man, I got to reply to that email. And so I spend a lot of time with my cell phone and most people think I'm technologically adverse. It's not that I'm technologically adverse. I just don't like learning new technology when I've already figured out how to masterfully use the technology I have. So what is something that you spend a lot of time with? You know it. You could do it in the dark. Can you tie a knot in the dark? Can you tie a square knot in the dark? It's not a bad thing to know how to do, just just in case you're wondering. But you know things. I know you guys are all shy. It's okay. You weren't prepared for that. I understand. That was not fair. But you know things that you can do in the dark. And you know them intimately. You know them completely. And you're discovering new things about them as you spend more time with them. And that is like the vine dresser. And that is like the vine dresser with his vines. And every branch, Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Question. How many of you clip your nails? Show of hands. Clip your fingernails? Yeah? Do you save those nail clippings? Like you got a special jar on your counter? No? No? Interesting. Hey, I have you know, I... I, I, uh, I recently found myself in need. I had a meeting that I was going into, and I was like, oh my gosh, I have not clipped my nails. So I bought this very set of nail clippers from 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven sells nail clippers. And uh, I clipped my nails in the parking lot before going into the meeting because I was like, oh man, I've done everything. I shaved, I put on a tie, suit, everything, suit is pressed. I didn't clip my nails. So, so you, don't cle- you don't keep your nail clippings. Well, why not? Because they're useless, right? That's the very content of what the writer of Hebrews was speaking of. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
everything that is useless to us, and yet, proverbially, hypothetically, (laughs) we all keep nail clippings in some form or another. It is a messy and disgusting practice, but we like to keep our things that aren't really useful, but we do. We do. We keep these nail clippings of sorts, and we are constantly being barraged by the word of God, encouraged, lay aside every weight, lay aside every useless thing and sin which clings so closely, like a fingernail close to your cuticle. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. It is in this benefit, this growth, this opportunity to see what is useless and prune it away, to cut it away, to to remove it from the vine, to every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. What is the usefulness of your nails? You clip them. You throw them away. But in other areas of our life, what other useless things do we buy special jars to contain it and keep it and store it and sometimes hide it? And everyone's watching. Oh, oh, there it is. Look at that beautiful, useless thing in my life. So glorious. And, and yet we sing about this. Jesus is better. So I won't sing it for you. But Jesus is better. And that's what we need to repeat in our hearts and minds. What is useless? What is useful? What is better? Not what is... Yeah, and, yeah, and that can be difficult to not bear fruit. He best and better and better and best. And, but every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes Wait, wait, wait. I thought pruning was not good. No, pruning's good. I just learned this about pruning. Pruning, actually, when you prune, it gives oxygen and prevents disease spread within a a bush or plant or whatever it is you're pruning. It allows the airflow to exchange in and among all the branches and and helps prevent density and, um, I don't know, density and lack of airflow and prevents disease spread that it may bear more fruit. That it, I want to remind you guys, um, it's funny and sad. This is the good thing. This is where most of the sermons that I've heard growing up, we would have stopped. Hey, don't do bad things. Get rid of the junk in your life and run the race for Jesus. Try harder, do better. Maybe you should pray more. Maybe you should read your Bible more. God bless you guys. Have a good Sunday. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever good enough I'm smart enough and doggone it people like me you can't do it you can't do it oftentimes we think we need for me because think we have the ability why do I like the things that are bad for me because I am on a conveyor belt prone to wandering as we sang about ultimately toward death I don't know if you guys knew this, but dead fish go with the flow. Literally, dead fish, they go with the flow of the water. And 
we can't, but he can. And it is in this pursuit of life, in this, in this arduous process of working and walking with Christ and humbling ourselves. And that's the, that is the work. We like to think, you know, we're good Americans and we think we are going to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we are going to try harder and we're going to go to college and we're going to get a degree and we're going to learn more and we're going to consult more and collaborate with the right people and we're going to do the things that we need to do and we're going to do better and we will be better and we'll earn more and we'll outperform and we will 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 and we have unfortunately allowed that philosophy of thinking to infiltrate the gospel and the church and the the Lord is saying, you can't. Apart from me, you can do no thing. The substance of the thing that you think is, is absolutely not. There's no even comparison to. There's no reference point to. It, it, it would be like your kid trying to describe um, a piece of fruit by holding up a piece of glass. You mean kind of like this? No, nothing like that. Well, well, the banana, the, the piece of glass is shaped like a banana, so isn't it? No, it's, no, it's, like, no, it's, it's glass. It's, it's not squishy, it's not pliable, it's, it's not edible, it's, no, no. And it's not yellow, this is yellow, that's clear. No, 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 it's not the same. And yet we try to pattern, well, Lord, my works are kind of like yours, right? You know? I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So who takes away? He does. Who prunes it? He does. Who is he? The vine dresser. Who is the vine dresser? God. God the Father is the vine dresser. Why does the vine dresser put his hands to all of this work? I'm going to let you ruminate on that. Why does the vine dresser do all this work? He puts his hands to all of this work. And he tells us, oh, there's a question. Why does the vine dresser do all this? So that the branches produces more fruit. Now this isn't a message of prosperity and it's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about how to be more fruitful in three easy steps. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about our job is to humble ourselves in Christ and recognize that apart from Christ, we can do no thing, nothing, nothing of value. But in Christ, in him, in this intimate relationship of understanding that we are the vine... And he is the vine dresser. Or excuse me, he is the vine. We are the branch. We are the branch. He is the vine. And our father is the vine dresser. 
in this intimacy, in this intimate relationship of co-joinment and, and humility and understanding that we just need to hang out with him. We just need to be with him. We need to walk in the things that he calls us to do. In doing this, in doing this humble, wonderful walk with Christ, we bear fruit. One beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. Did you bake the bread? No. Did you pay for the bread? Nope. Did you figure out where to get the bread? Nope. Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit revealed it to you. He gave you this nostril to be able to pick up the aroma of bread being baked. And then he gave you the knowledge and ability to read free bread. He gave you the ability to walk with your legs to the place where the bread was being distributed from. He gave you the ability to walk into that bakery and say, I hear you have bread. I smell that you have bread. And I read that it's free. Is it readily available? May I receive it? I'm humbling myself and asking, may I have some? And the baker says, absolutely. It's what I'm doing. It's what I do. Like the vine dresser, the baker, he just produces. He's, he's readily available and readily giving freely out of his abundance because our Father in heaven has grand and great abundance. And then we take this bread and we're eating it and we're walking down the street and in all of our goings, we're eating our bread and sustaining us in our walk of life and we see somebody, hey, you look kind of hungry. You want some bread? Man, where do you get this bread? This is amazing. Come with me. There's this wonderful baker who supplies bread freely and it's readily available. Okay, well, there's, there's got to be a catch. No catch. It's free? Yeah, it's free. It, it's available? Yeah, it's available. It's not day-old bread? No, it's fresh daily. It's good. This is crazy. Yeah, it is because it's counterintuitive. Everything we're talking about right now is counterintuitive. That's why, yeah, it's counterintuitive. Already you are clean, though, he says in verse 3. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Something counterintuitive occurred that night as Jesus was with them. The master took, out his, took off his outer garment and took a towel and wrapped it around his waist. And he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the feet of his disciples. The master was doing the job of a servant. Already you are clean because of the word that was spoken to you. What word was that? Oh, by the way, you can buy this print from Melanie Pike Art on Etsy for $62. It's a nice little print. So <laughs> I like to give credit where credit is due. So where is it that he said this? John chapter 13. Verse 3, knowing Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? This was the counterintuitive part. This was the part that he couldn't comprehend. Why is the master washing my feet? Why is this happening? Why, Why is he kneeling before me? Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. So Peter being stuck on the fact that why is the master washing my feet? And how many times do we get stuck on something so silly and trivial? And it's like, why is this this way? Ah. My kids can attest I do that more often than I should. And it's like, Roger, shh, there's a bigger picture here. Peter, there's a bigger picture here. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. It's not about your feet, Peter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Wash me complete. Peter, Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. Except for his feet, some manuscripts do not include this, and it it kind of throws off the meaning of this. Jesus said to him, the one who is bathed does not need to wash. Jesus is speaking about a spiritual matter, not washing your feet, but the spiritual cleanliness that Jesus affords and is about to afford by being crucified and making us completely clean. And you all, This is plural, and in Texas, that's y'all. And y'all are clean, but not every one of you, speaking of Judas. Because at this time, Judas, he knew what was going on, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. This work that Jesus and Jesus is reminding them, you are already clean. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Jesus is doing a work, and he says to them, abide in me, and I in you. And he says that to us today, and every day. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This word abide literally means to make your home or shelter in, to to organically and intimately be knit together. A close-knit community of a mutual commitment to love and support one another. This, This commitment, this organic and intimate affixation to one another to abide in. And and Jesus is again this counterintuitive. The creator of the universe, the one who spoke to the ocean and said, peace be still and silence the storms and the one who declared to the ocean that you can only come this far. The one, the master and creator of the universe wants to coexist and collaborate with us in every moment of our life. This is radically counterintuitive. This is radically not something that we understand. Many of us have worked for corporations where we may have barely knew the name of the CEO of that corporation. And now we come into this place, and Roger's standing up here and telling you that the creator of the universe wants to abide in you and with you, and you abide in him and with him. 
what is that about? What is that about? Why would the creator of the universe want to have that intimate relationship? Because it was what we were designed for. This fruit of the Spirit. Interesting enough, but the fruit of the Spirit, fruit, singular, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The fruit, singular, a spectrum of nine flavors, if it were a literal fruit like a diamond. This fruit, multifaceted, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. This is the fruit that Jesus is talking about that he wants to see produced in us and through us. We're not going to go into the current events, but I bet you that if we all operated with this fruit being our primary go-to in our dealings, I don't think we would have as many world problems as we do right now. Call me naive. I'm just thinking we wouldn't have so many problems if this was the fruit that was being produced primarily among humanity. And that is what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, man, you guys are like dead fish going with the flow. Prone to wander, prone to the things that are destined and designed to kill and destroy. But this fruit that I want, I want to remove these branches, these useless things from your life. The vine dresser wants to remove these useless things from your life that clog up. I don't know about you, like when, I'm, when I am doing a project, I need a clear space. I mean, there could be clutter all around, but the amount of space I need to do the project, if I'm fixing a watch, I need about this much space. If I'm fixing this bigger thing, I need a bigger space. Um, my kids think I'm crazy, you know, when I'm studying for like a sermon like this. I like to just spread everything out that is related to what I'm studying on our kitchen table. It's like, no, 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 get, get that stuff out. Of just, whose is this? Here. Put it away. I don't know. Just, it can't be here. Just shut the cell phone off. Just like. Clutter is not good for us. This, this, this vine that is tangled and Airflow is not able to, so Jesus comes in and he removes those branches and he prunes those that bear fruit so that they might produce more fruit. And that's a painful process sometimes as we all, if we've lived the Christian life for any amount of time, we understand that it, that is a painful process to be pruned. And as I am learning more and more, and my dad reminded me, I was, uh, did you know, even after almost 19 years of marriage, you still will have arguments with your wife? I don't know if you knew that, but we do. I don't, I mean, it's, I mean, maybe we're just still amateurs about it, but we argue. Um, and, uh, and my dad reminded me and said, um, 
you know, Roger, you're arguing because ultimately the Holy Spirit's revealing something in your heart that's not good and not comfortable for your wife. And it's creating conflict. And here's the reality. God doesn't skip lessons. So he's going to keep pruning that branch until it produces the fruit the way that it's designed to fruit. And if I keep resisting and, and I die, that branch dies, it will get removed. I mean, I'm not guaranteed to have a happy, wonderful, everlasting marriage with my wife. There are ways I can destroy that branch. There are ways I can destroy that branch till death do us part. And so in our life, there are those relationships, there are those things, there is that organic relationship where we need to operate in these things. Our daughter is not being well-liked by one of her teachers right now. And there was, we had a little bit of fun of all the wonderful ways that she could you know, defend herself. And, and I said, but you know what? What it comes down to is you need to love your enemies and pray for those that spitefully use you and persecute against you. That's what Jesus says to do. So when there is this conflict in relationship, whatever relationship it is with your wife or with your, with your spouse, your husband, or with your child or with your teacher or with your employer or your, your, your coworkers, or, or there is this opportunity to operate in the flesh apart from these fruits or to operate within these fruits and to harvest these fruits and realize, man, I got to pull that cluster of joy today and dine on that, feast on that before I engage in this. There is, there is the need to, I know where I am going today and I am, it's going to be a long day and I'm going to be tired and I'm going to be cranky and there are things that are not going to go well. And I need that cluster of grapes of self-control. I need to be slow to speak and quick to think. I need to be gentle with this person. Like, why are you not getting this after? I have told you so many times. I need to be gentle with that person. I need to be faithful. I don't like what I'm doing right now. Well, (laughs) You made the commitment, so you need to be faithful to its completion. A prayer, for what it's worth, I offer you this. I use this verse as a, as a guide for prayer. Lord, help me to be loving as you are loving. Lord, help me to be joyful as you are joyful. Help me to be peaceful as you are peaceful. Help me to be patient as you are patient. And if you meditate upon that, and, and if I could just encourage you, there's nine words here, right? Yep, yep, nine words. Memorize these nine words. It's a good thing to call to remembrance. And as you're operating throughout your day and you're engaging with Christ, because if you don't remember the recipe, you're prone to make a disaster. Aren't you guys grateful that the Ortland houses always remember good recipes on our snacks? It's like, it's like, oh, that's right. We need butter. 
So many things would not go so well if there was no butter. Just putting it out there. So many things. Butter is good. Um, But this recipe in life, this fruit, this cluster, this thing that we need to call. I am the vine, Jesus reminds us, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. I want to encourage you to ruminate on this idea of these grapes growing over the course of a season. Those fruits don't just overnight become these beautiful clusters of grapes. It's a process. I want you to understand it's a slow, sometimes painful, arduous process. You don't just become loving. You don't just become joyful. You become enabled by the Holy Spirit because that is what empowers you. The same power that rose Jesus from the grave is the same power that wants to be in work with you and in you to accomplish these things, to be the very embodiment of these things. That is the dunamis. That is the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to see in operation in our lives so we can become and we can operate and these will be reflective of our character. God bless you. So it is. The fruit of the Spirit grows in being our character. Us growing more and more into the very image of Christ. Christian is merely a Christ follower on pilgrimage, this side of heaven, in effort to becoming more like Christ, so we may love God, we may operate in these things to love God the way he deserves, and to love our neighbor the way they who are created in the image of God deserve. One beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. My friends, Psalm 1 says to this, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked... They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will will have no place among the godly. For the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. My friends, may we be like this tree planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. Father, we thank you for your work to glorify you and to restore that which Satan brought confusion to in us and through us. We ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to us and reveal to us where we are hoarding our nail clippings as they are, as if it were. 
these useless things that we guard and protect. And may we gladly cast away those things, allow you, Lord, to cast away, that our grip would be lightened and released to humble ourselves before you, the living God, to say, Lord, please take them. I am so in tune with these and I don't want to be. Lord, help us to be loving as you are loving, to be joyful as you are joyful, to be peaceful as you are peaceful, to be patient as you are patient, to be kind as you are kind, to be good as you are good, to be faithful as you are faithful, to be gentle as you are gentle, and to operate with self-control, not by our own strength, but by your Holy Spirit, and by the work that you have saw, that you have begun in us, and that you are faithful to complete. In Jesus' name we pray.